0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight
1: loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Deney. This
0: is Gus Poyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts. And before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Glad you've come back for part two of Oriole Romeo. Don't you agree that part one showed... A thoughtful, articulate, intelligent, likeable man. Certainly when we chatted um, down in the lower basement dining room in the Hotel Divan in Winchester, where the staff were really, really kind to us. It's a nice place. When we chatted, I I found him immensely engaging and interesting. I I liked meeting him. It was easy to see why in um, Oriol's book, Juan Mata had talked about of being be above and beyond a very good footballer, an exceptional, almost unimprovable human being. <laughs> Those are one matter's words. Just, he thinks the world of this guy. And I must admit, so do I. Um, I've always liked how he plays. I've always liked people who can adapt. Guys who come from one school of thought, go to another one that's completely different and not only learn, but thrive as he has. One of the reasons that Oreo Romeo was able to thrive was the time he spent, brutal though it was, working under the control of the current Spain manager, Luis Enrique Mart- Martinez, when he was Barca B coach. The hard truth is that at the time, Oreo Romeo did not enjoy the experience. But it changed him, it made him better. So you'll hear more about pff, living with Juan Mata, arrival at Chelsea. Also, the the strange idea that Oriol found keeping the diary that he published and and to to high regard, to to a good critical reception, this um, year that he put down in writing, why he found it so therapeutic, why he stuck to the practice of breaking down every day for himself, jotting it down, explaining it to himself and what that does for him. There's all kinds of details about how Ralph Hasenhuttle loves to coach, the pressure on the ball, the synchronicity of 4-2-2-2. The idea that football can be played like an orchestra produces music. And then, how could we close without some words on James Ward-Prowse? What do you mean you don't really know much about James Ward-Prowse? He's the best in the world. Didn't you know that? This is Oreo Romeo, a really likeable, really enjoyable guest on The Big Interview. Enjoy. Please do me a small favour. If you have enjoyed it, tell a friend, tell your wife or husband, tell your children, tell your enemies, get out on the street with a ringing bell like an old town crier and tell everybody. Listen in to The Big Interview. You know it makes sense. When we talked about that side brain If it's okay tell, Don't tell Damien I said that But like the, he's an out brain for you doing other things You've worked with a guy who, who really believes in that also and that I've spent a lot of time with uh, Luis Enrique And I so enjoy it It's challenging I have to be best behaviour He's one of the guys who like You're in, you're in, it's good it's, You're out <laughs> And that applies to everybody in my opinion Across all his time, he's always had Joaquin Valdez, this sports psychologist. Like if people don't understand it, like on his shoulder, I mean, there all the time. And I, initially, I thought, well, yeah, player needs sports psychologist, but he doesn't use Joaquin Valdez principally to to, to speak to the, the players. It's it's more for him yeah, and yeah. how he handles it. You've seen that at first hand. So, what about that that relationship that? partnership of of Lucho and Joaquim Valdez and and how about the experience of of being squeezed until you've got nothing left from Luis Enrique
1: Uh, Luis Enrique has been one of the most influential managers I've ever had I've worked with him for two years he was very demanding he was very tough I didn't enjoy it I would say no, but I learned a lot And, and that's the main thing I finished those two years with him those two seasons seeing football differently and understanding the game and being a different player completely so my experience with him I, I I'll always have a great memory and Joaquin is a great guy as well uh, and I think Luis Enrique is very clever because he knows with the intensity he, he, he wants to get from the players I and mean, with, with all that demanding and, uh, and relationships you, uh, a manager has to deal with 20 different individuals and then you need someone that knows really well how to manage though, that group next to you constantly and you need to ask him how how you then he will probably do different things or things on his own way because with Enrique is also very sure of his way of behaving. But having that person next to him it gives him that balance probably to then make the better decisions. Uh, to make sure that the group is in, in. to moderate the intensity sometimes or st- how I Remember with Joaquin a couple of times I talked to him, and then he could give you the right advice at the right time. Although he wasn't working for us, but you, you know he was someone you could approach and he was close to you. He just gave me a book, and, and that book has always been with me whenever I had struggled. So um, it's just those details that, uh, or that sentence or that uh, thing that um, he, I think, he's very clever at, at, at knowing what he has to do at and, and the right time.
0: Let's try and explain. I know what you mean about not enjoying the two years under Luis Enrique. And I know that our relationship is good because he doesn't have to make me train. And he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to see how I live at night. Because then when he sees me in my professional mode, he can go, yeah, okay, I like his attitude, I like his question. If he saw me outside that, <laughs> I'd be completely screwed. Just to use one of your words. <laughs> two years under Luis Enrique, what explains... Why it was a tough experience?
1: Because you were questioned and you were always in in a way that you were just, but but not nicely. Like You had to be always performing well, training well, being very professional. He wouldn't accept a bad performance. He would accept a mistake, but not a bad performance Mm -hmm. in terms of not not, um, giving your best. And then you could see that he was really demanding on himself first and then he okay. was also setting the right example to the rest of the players. I remember one game we we lost 4-1 against Granada, and he was quite tough on me or he made that mistake, he made this mistake and, and then I was annoyed because I was thinking what can I do? I mean I, I thought I was doing the right thing but all of a sudden it seemed like everything's wrong and I went to him, uh, Mr. Uh, I, I need your help, I, I don't know what to do and I, I thought th- those were the things that you wanted from me. Then he took me to his office, we sat down, we watched the whole game, uh, went down to the details, do this in this occasion, do that, and that. He, he had the answers that I needed and, and at the right time and he spent the time as well to make sure that I understood what, what, what I had to do in, in, in every part of the game. And all those details,
0: um, I'll always be really thankful for that. Am I talking bullshit in that when I say I think it's really hard, in general, but also hard for sports people to do what you did then and ask for help, am I wrong? Is, where is the part of your nature that says, I'm not going to ask him for help or ask him for an explanation? Not everybody does that. One, where does that come from in you? Hmm. And to, am I right that in, your, in the culture of football, asking for help is not a normal thing?
1: Yeah, probably. You're right. and It's not a good thing. So there's moments that you struggle, there's moments that you lose confidence hmm. and you don't feel yourself. And, and then it's the right time to look for someone next to you that can give you an answer, can give you a brief of uh, some fresh, uh, fresh air that, that's going to get you out of, of that, that feeling uh, where do I get it from? Good question. I, I think, I hate being in a low moment, so mm. I always try to get out from them as quick as I can, mm. and then I'm capable of doing wherever uh, I need. Um, I mean, if someone tells me if you run a, a thousand uh, meters at that speed and and you get the, you're gonna get this win, then I I'll, I'll walk for it. So. We, we don't always have the right answers and the right things to do, but if, if I know that something's going to get me closer to that,
0: I, I, I will do it. Maybe I'm actually, I know you've been here a long time, maybe I'm talking about the British culture, I don't know, but I, I still think that, and football encourages the idea of invincibility, that if you ask for help, that's showing weakness. Now, it is changing, I know it's changing, I'm not so stupid as not to notice, but um, you, you, you were playing for Barca B, when you asked Lucien Enrique, okay, manager, you just give me a bollocking? Why? To help me understand. That's, uh, I don't know how many years ago, so that was 2009-10. More or less, it's 10, 12 years ago. Hmm. So we're talking about a younger Oriole, a different world culture, but still you were able to ask for help. I don't think, certainly in British football, that I think people still look down on that. Yeah. You you haven't seen, you, you don't feel quite what I'm saying, do you?
1: Yeah, no, you're you you, you you're saying that that's not as likely to
0: happen in, in, in this culture. I think we, I think, I know I grew up in a culture where that would have been regarded as soft yeah, or weak. It's just the other way around, like
1: try, trying to be perfect with, or, or thinking of yourself as, as someone that never makes a mistake. It makes you weaker. Like, I mean... No one wants not to know anything, and no one wants to always make, make mistakes. But accepting that there are areas or situations where, where you're struggling, is the first step of, of facing that obstacle.
0: You're right. That's good diagnosis. Those are intelligent, articulate words. But footballers like you live in a culture where advertisers tell you you're wonderful, you're perfect. Fans adore you. So that's why they like that's why they like social media. Yeah. <laughs> Agents also are like, uh, never give an inch, never, never, no, we must always, and, and I know why this worm is in my head, because 10 days ago when we interviewed Luke de Jong for this series, before Luke arrived, Xavi and Oscar and Geordie Cruyff allowed a 35, 40 minute off the record briefing, so I can speak about it. We we can't use it as titularis or nothing. But he talked about arriving at the camp now uh, and and the training ground to a culture of positional football having disappeared. He'd been there six years earlier. He assumed that it might change, but it would still be the fun. He said he came back, it was like a desert, a wasteland. So he begins to explain and teach and, and educate. He thought the Dutch because of the Dutch idea of football would understand it, that the kids who'd come to the academy would understand it. He thought that, although Busquets hasn't changed at all, he thought that him and Piquet would still have been fighting the fire opposition. No. So when he came back, he he, he, he explained to us about having to tell players, certain players within the squad, we don't need to name them, about do this and they're like no mister no no I this is what I do and no 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 they couldn't listen to constructive criticism and he said there's always an excuse about what well, yeah but in the mo- yeah you say that boss you say that you to Xavi maybe the greatest midfielder certainly ever for my taste and certainly in Spain's history and they're like no no but what you don't understand is in the moment you're like what kind of ego do you have to say to Xavi yeah but you don't understand what it was like in the moment and, and if you expand from that small point outwards footballers Often I'm like, nah, but wait, I I know. But you need to understand fo- footballers'
1: social life as well, too. Because I've had that discussion within myself sometimes, like, what why is he not seeing it? It's, it's pretty obvious. But we're surrounded by people that just tell us how good we are, how good we look, uh, and, and how well we played in the last game. And if someone probably tells us that we didn't play well, what footballer would do is push away that person from me because he's not telling me what I want to listen and this is uh, probably the first mistake that surrounding yourself from people that tell you what you want to listen rather what, what, what's true or not uh, makes you always want to listen things that are, are nice to your ears but, mm. but aren't true it, it is, it is uh, I just see it like this you, you just keep feeling that ego when, once, one day after the other the other, the <laughs> other and then the manager will come and say you, you had a bad game you wouldn't take it or you have to change the way you play or one of your teammates will come and say you need to come to the gym because you're not winning any duels or oh, you need to put more work on it oh no I'm doing the right thing because everyone tells me I'm doing the right thing and that mindset I think it, it, it wasn't the same a few years ago and now it's um, it's different The socially we uh, an action that we're doing right now has a lot more impact than than yeah. 10 years ago yeah, and it, it's either more criticised or, or, or more or praised, praised yeah. but but it's it's normally more
0: praised but, but that's why you're surrounding yourself by, by people that praise you I hope that some of the not just this conversation but some of the conversations we've had one of our objectives was to, 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 to clear away the, the shit that surrounds football the sycophancy like you're describing where everything's great or the way the, the tabloids go, footballers are bad, they're greedy, they're stupid, all that's rubbish. <laughs> if you clear it away, what you find is normal people with normal fears, but also dedication that people don't understand. The journalists and the, the media don't understand the sacrifices. Not the sacrifices to, to get into the game, but the daily tiredness, the playing through pain, the constant flurry of information and demands. and People use the word pressure. A lot without understanding what we ask of you guys, in my opinion. For us, uh, pressure is,
1: is, is always there and it's going to be there. But I also think that me, in my position, our pressure is nothing compared to Messi. Pogba just came out and explaining about it a little bit. And, and, and they go out on the streets and they have always people burning their ears and, and always having to do well and always having to look good and always because they're a brand, because... <laughs> Otherwise, uh, they're going to break the sponsorships and you got pressure from your agents, you got pressure from everyone. And that, that's a pressure that I think you've got to be prepared to be able to deal with it.
0: Was, was Juan Mata one of the first guys to, to break that for you? you I'm cheating again because you tell a funny story in your unforgettable year diary about, I'm going to name the brand, I think, I mean, you see me, I don't spend a lot of time in Dolce & Gabbano. <laughs> I put on what I, put, I pick up I as well, don't worry. anything that I see. <laughs> but you tell a funny story about saying, "This is what I do with my money now," and why oh, I'm not liking it immediately, right?
1: Yeah, when I went and spent some extra money at the shop Dolce Gabbana, he, he said, "You, you really, are you sure you like it." And I, I thought, I, I didn't answer, but then I went home and I thought, it's probably right. I never wear it. I'm, I'm not going to wear it. And, I'm, I, and if I wear it, I feel uncomfortable. Uh, if I go to my hometown with these shoes and, and, and suit, I'll look weird there. Uh, so, yeah, I never went back.
0: How, I don't think that's an easily solvable problem about what we tell um, people in your position who are excelling, because you are excelling. And sycophancy and telling people everything's great is wrong. But telling hard truths, I think, is... is is difficult and I think the pressure that we pressure pressure that we've been talking about means that sometimes that push away motion you did, you have to push away a lot of idiots too. So the natural reflex when people come to you often is to put a barrier up to push away because there's so much rubbish comes in your direction too.
1: Hmm.
0: We both when we, we I could only read the Catalan version, um, and I don't think there's an England English version of your of your book yet. No. Your, your diary Spanish one why did you write it and two did it, did it help
1: it helped a lot <laughs> I enjoyed it I love the fact of writing and, and trying to get uh, all the ideas in, in a paper and all the experiences that I've had uh, throughout all these years and why it's a good question I I've got a, f- a couple of why's one is I, w- I wanted to do it uh, It's one was one of my I don't know goals or I I I loved reading, and I've always thought, oh, I'd love to have my own book and and, wow. and put my ideas down. And the other one was also to live. I don't. I'm a bit. Uh, I don't want to be too dramatic, but we don't know how long we're gonna be here. If if I ever go for some reason, I, I want. I like to my son or um, people that I really love to have peace where I explain things, where I explain how. I think about daily um, habits or uh, daily obstacles that, that hopefully could help them in the future, mm. and and that was something that drove me and motivated me to uh, get it out.
0: And and you you did it yourself because often sports people will employ a, a book writer or a journalist to join. You didn't do that.
1: I have to say I, I even is it called out to edit it. I I did yeah, it myself yeah. because also because it was. Diary and and if I I went to a couple of places, but they wanted to read it, they wanted to change things, and then I said, you know, I want. And it's not uh, mine anymore. Yeah, I want it as it is. I want to get it out quick because otherwise, if I went two more years, then it it make no sense. It was last season that I, I wrote it all. So then I, could, I, I took it out as, as quick as I could, and there will be mistakes, there will be things that won't be perfect, but, but that's a little bit also what I am. The, the, it won't be perfect. It will be a couple of things that if I look back now, I would change, but, but this, this was what it was at that moment, and I'm, I'm quite happy with it.
0: Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Did he- awaken a taste for other projects in your head or did you already have other projects in your head but I don't know just about writing but writing creativity communication writing was I
1: started there and and since I got it out I, I didn't stop writing I, I, it's something oh. that it stayed within me and although not really the idea of publishing anything but I, I like now lost six like in Chelsea and when I sat down and with a paper and a pen and I wrote down how it went and that how I need to now face the situation, uh, it just helped me a lot. Uh, it just uh, I had a training session today and, and my mood was different. Like I could, I knew what, what I had to do and then I, I set myself mm. up some goals and, and now I have
0: to go for it. Uh, uh, so it wasn't just the therapy of getting it out, it redirected next, small parts of what you were going to do next. Yeah, I like also to see what can I do now to get my game better? To to improve what, what I'm doing. Look, Oriol, we're coming towards you know the latter part of it. I'm like the hope you have the patience for. Maybe your yeah. your heart has just gone cold when I said the latter part rather than the yeah. end. I'm doing. But thank you. That's 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 fantastic to hear. Yeah. We 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 have to ask. I think about Hasenhuttl particularly because his brand of football has been. I will tell you that I have a friend who played in German football. He said, ah, he said, I don't know how he'll do. He's a coach who likes a lot of running. It's quite basic football. And then when he came originally, the concepts and the formation and where the defensive line were quite rigid. And it feels to me as if the, the football he asks you to play has become, he's hes evolved, he's been flexible. And out, like you, he's, he's stopped and learned from sometimes tension, big defeats, I presume also from big triumphs because under him things have also been quite special. Uh, you were on the verge of um, going very far in the cup. There's still a possibility to finish top nine uh, depending on the re- remainder of the season. When you work for him, what is he asking of a player in your position? In, not just in matches, but in training. And how does, how does this guy teach? He's a manager that is based on, on
1: that German mentality philosophy that it's, it's being very successful right now of uh, pressing being very aggressive uh, always being on the front foot he always wants to be he's got this 4-2-2 formation with the guys in the middle we always we have to cover a lot of space and up and down but m- moving in a way that we can always apply pressure on the opponents is what he loves he always wants to be he always wants to have pressure on the ball. And then once we get it, his message on us De- depends on, on, on the opponent sometimes. Uh, we played Leeds and as they were also very pressing driven team and, and very aggressive, he didn't want us to take any risk because that could have okay. been... If you lose, then the transition is just quicker that, to that, face. That was their game. That was what, what they were trying to do. Whereas we, we played Watford, it was going to sit deeper. We had to have some movements to... Um, break them so- somehow uh, through the channels or 2 be ones on the side or players in the pocket so to be honest it changes a little bit the way we approach every game in terms of who we're facing but the mentality of pressing high of being aggressive of, of
0: being, being very vertical it rarely changes Really specifically how does it communicate so for example I moved to your country because in those days training sessions were open And I thought this is a really good way to learn. And now more, they're closed. But when you get to certain games, particularly Villarreal against Manchester United in the Europa League final, Villarreal against Chelsea, training sessions are open, 90 minutes. It's heaven. But then you watch Unai Emery and what he asks. I'm not saying that Unai and and Ralph Hassan all want the same things, but you watch him with six or seven or eight players holding hands and moving together. Or he ropes them together. (laughs) And the shouting, because some managers, Ferguson for example, but lots of them, stand and watch and they're coached as the organisation. Well now, if he could get inside the the jersey of his players to say, no, do it like this, he, he would. But the actual method of showing them when they're... I think sometimes in Spain it's called basculación. Yeah. I think in, in Britain because we've got such an, uh, shuffling across. Shuffling or it used across. to be shuffling across. We say slide. such a bad thing. As well now. Slide. Slide. really Slide. Yeah. Slide across. Yeah. But I'm more interested in the concept of how you get groups of three, four players to move in unison. How is that Sport specifically.
1: different managers do it differently in, you, and in, in the case of Hassanhol he uses a lot of this sport and these pieces where you know where you have to be depending on where the ball is and then we would do pressing against a team that tries to play out from the back we would do one scene as he says, like one action mm-hmm. uh, if they can get it out then he would look where the mistake was uh, what's happened there something wrong they cannot get it out <laughs> so then either the 10 has to be higher or the 6 has to follow uh, the six we always have to be one's high the other one's uh, low so we always have to be yeah one's pressing the six and then the strikers as well they have to move in order that they stop the ball through the middle and they always bring them out or if they come in then we're ready to jump on them so that's always something that he loves doing and he wants to make sure that everyone's moving like in an orchestra as you said before in, in synchrony uh, ball is on the other side there's no one treated off we'll travel across we'll come closer to the ball so we make sure that they're not getting out of, of that area of course that's not always possible and it's not always perfect but it, it does it does work if, if you're always sharp and aggressive and, and, and you put pressure on them if you can get the ball in those areas back then you're going to be able to attack quick and he always says that those three to five seconds when you get the ball back are the biggest chances are the mm-hmm. biggest mm-hmm. quality in the chances so if you can then attack quickly they are disorganized and then you're going to have moments to
0: have a good Do opportunities it, is the action training uh, sometimes in overload numbers so to sometimes you have maybe six or seven players bringing the ball out but only four pressing is that is that a way to sharpen things up, or does he not do that?
1: There are exercises that he tries to force a ball recovered, but he can put two players against four, so then we get the ball back, and then we can attack quicker. So then we can work on those transitions. But there are some other times that we just play eleven against eleven, and and then we see how we react
0: in, in equal numbers. It just it's just depending on what he's trying to get. And is he a, a sergeant major instructor? Or is he like, like you said, you went to Lucho and Lucho could sit you down and watch the game and say, look like this, like this. What type of teaching communication is his skill?
1: Uh, The structure is very important. He calls it the net. It's very important. He wants everyone working in the net and everyone uh, moving in synchrony. Um, Because if someone, this way of defending is very effective if everyone does it. As soon as you get one centre-back that doesn't come out or one full-back that doesn't slide, um,
0: then the, the, there will be gaps. And, and it's you'll the be, gap that the opposition is actually looking for. And they'll the, be punished, yeah, you'll be punished then. Our sponsor is 365, thank you. Lucio would really like, I guess, one of your teammates, and Pep Guardiola described James Ward-Prowse as the best free-kick taker in the world. The question for you is, um, what level of practice does he need to do to be... So excellent And is, is pet's phrase For all the football you watch Does that seem right as well That potentially Potentially we are looking at The best free kick taker In the world right now
1: From what I've seen Yeah I would say yes His accuracy His um, The free kicks are on the box are Always a goal turns But also uh, Corner kicks uh, Side kicks These crosses are always very Dangerous, and I just I'm thinking, well, we we could we, we should score more goals with those balls like, are flying in. But also, he you see in training, and when he misses a shot, just goes two or three centimeters out of the top corner. When you when normal a normal person like, like, like me or someone else misses a shot, he can go uh, five meters above the fence. His fly of the ball, his touch, his contact is always so clean. he's always so perfect. And it rarely changes, so he's very accurate and he's very clean on that contact. I think that, I think that that's what make makes him so successful. There's there's two things there that one is a given talent, of course, mm-hmm. he, he's got that within himself, and then just, yeah, it's the, the practice side. He, he does practice it. He he does every every week. You see him practicing free kicks. Uh, but he also loves doing it. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of
0: fun. I remember way, way, way back when Ronaldinho moved to Camp Nou. The club was so disorganised. Um, one of the guys who who worked there uh, used to explain to me that Ronaldinho would have asked, in the days when he was fully focused, he would ask to come back in the afternoon and train free kicks. And the club was like, well, that's nothing to do with us. He said, couldn't you supply me with a build a wall and give me the reserve goalkeeper. They were like, you go and fix it. So he did for a little while, and then he stopped. <laughs> I guess now there's no, in the modern game, 20 years later, there's no problem about saying, I want to do extra, I want to come in for an extra session. I don't know whether James needs extra, whether like it fits in the normal training, or he goes... Okay, today I'm doing 20 minutes extra. What's the culture of practice of extra training?
1: Normally, it's straight after the game. There is uh, straight after the training session. Sorry, there is sessions that are a bit. They are a bit lighter, so then he would stay a bit longer, put his wall on, and go into the other goal on his own, a bit quiet, quiet space, and then start practicing his free kicks. Sometimes he puts a goal in. Sometimes he doesn't. He, doesn't put one. he knows they probably won't save it, so he doesn't need a
0: goal. <laughs> Wait, sometimes he practices without a keeper there? Yeah. yeah. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. What, what sense does that make? Because, OK, you can still aim for the same areas, but conceptually then on a Saturday or a Sunday when you're looking at the goal and that wall, suddenly there's a big guy in the middle. That's, I, I have no clue how that works. The last two
1: or three, three things that he scored, the goalie goes way before he, he he takes it, and and they still don't get it. So I think he's so good at hitting the ball in those areas that even if they go before, they haven't got time to to catch the ball. Um, and and every now and then he will go keeper side. So I guess probably that makes them doubt whether oh if I go too early, then he will come this way.
0: It's, it's a different art, but would he be? If you were given more penalties, could he be a sensational penalty taker too? Or because everybody says best in the world on free kicks, and it is a different art because suddenly then it's me v you. There's no wall; it's a shorter distance. It, 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 they're like cousins; they're not the same thing. Yeah, I agree. In theory, it should should be easier job because there's no one in the middle.
1: It should be, and you got no not as much pressure. You you closer. But I think the way he hits it, uh, the free kicks really suits him, because he's able to get the ball up very quickly, and make it down, uh, make it fly towards the top corner. And he normally, when he takes penalties, he goes lower, he doesn't like going that high. He probably feels more comfortable the free kick distance on the penalty
0: again. Yeah, yeah. It's the way it looked, visually, but... Like lots in life, that, that didn't make massive sense. Listen, we've just got one thing to finish on, and it's um, a question from one of our socios, the, the men and women who've su- supported us all our lives. And it says, having played for Southampton for the last seven seasons, this is the, this is the deepest one. What does Southampton mean to you? I suppose our social means emotionally. Yeah.
1: It feels like a second home, I would say. And I wouldn't say home because I am I was grown up in my hometown and my family is there and everyone's there, but the way I've been treated, the way I've been growing myself in here as well, I've spent more time in Southampton the last 10 years than, than anywhere else, and everyone knows me, everyone respects me, and I've got great relationship with the workers with it at the club, with, with my teammates, with the staff. So it's just... Feel like even though in the future you may go somewhere else, that there, there there will be always a part in you left left in this city place club, uh, call it however, but it's been a great and couldn't have been I don't, well, it could
0: have been better but I couldn't have chosen a better place to go I would say. When you talked about writing the book because of leaving a record, leaving a mark, leaving something that mattered to you, it's nice to know you've you've done that at Southampton. You, you're saying that Southampton has done that to you too. But it's nice to know you've done that at Southampton and, you know, without being too romantic. I hope that for those who enjoy you and your football, we've helped you do something similar here too. It's been exactly the privilege that we expected it to be. It's been an education that's been very enjoyable. Oriol Romeo, on behalf of The Big Interview and all our listeners, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as well from me.